Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We've been in a series over the last couple of weeks, and, uh, and it's just the series is called Why? And I've introduced some, basically some questions that society has about Christianity, and we're just kind of talking about some of those tough questions. And there are questions that maybe even some of us have wondered at times, you know, you know, why, how do we know that God exists? But we talked about, you know, some of the difficult questions in Christianity and how to answer some of those things. And, and, it, and it's important, this, this is the key, it's important that we as a church talk about difficult questions. I've seen too many churches that just shy away from the difficult questions in, 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 in Christianity, about God, about all these different things. And, and we as a church need to ask those difficult questions. Because every time I see someone who walks away from their faith, man, that is so difficult for me. To see someone who abandons their faith. And the reason they've abandoned their faith is basically, guess what? Their unbelief or the peer pressure of everybody else around them all of a sudden outweighs their faith in God. And I'm going, no, I want to help. And I think sometimes we just don't know why we believe what we believe. It's important to know why we believe what we believe. I think, in fact, sometimes that's one of the main things that gets us in trouble as followers of Christ is that we just follow and we never take steps in such a way that we want to actually understand why am I following so that when someone comes and poses the question to me, what are you doing? Do you know that God doesn't even exist? Why do you think that God exists? And then all of a sudden, you can't give an answer. And then you're stuck. And then you start questioning your own mind. Oh, my goodness. You know, there's times that I can't tell you how the light turns on. I don't understand electricity. I just know it turns on. But, you know, if someone poses that question, guess what? I'm going to have to do a little studying so I can say, hey, you know what? The reason it turns on is, I still don't know. There's a wires connected to it. Just trust me. <laughs> the first week in our series, we discussed the question, why should I believe in God? Last week, we discussed the idea of why is the Bible so restrictive? If you missed those weeks, you can catch them on our vodcast or podcast. This week, I want to discuss the idea of why should I follow Jesus? Why? I know for many of you here, you're followers of Christ, but do you know why you should follow Jesus? And maybe you're here watching us online today, and you don't, have a, you don't have a relationship with God. You're just tuning in. You're saying, yeah, tell me why I should follow Jesus. And we want to give you some thoughts and ideas that are really based biblically, that gives you an idea of why you should follow Jesus. Because there's a lot of people that believe in God. A lot of people believe in God. But there's a lot that don't follow Jesus. Why? For some idea... For some, the idea of the existence of Jesus might seem like a fairy tale to them, like it's a story that's been passed down from generation to generation. It kind of turns into this legend. All of a sudden, people start to believe it, and everybody just starts to follow. It's like, you know, the, the, the fairy godmother or the yeah, godmother and then the, the tooth fairy and, and all the Santa. Well, remember I put that one out there because, yeah, we got to be careful. I think all the junior hires left. We're okay. And... Um, but let's take a, just a moment and discuss the historical proof of Jesus. And this is going to be a little bit 
the message today maybe a little bit heady, but I don't want it to remain there. I want it to get to our spirit, into our hearts, where there's a transformation that takes place. So let's ask that from the Lord today. Let's just pray, if you guys will join me today, and let's just pray that God's word will touch our hearts, the inner who we are, and be life-changing to us. Lord, we thank you for your word today. I pray, God, that my words are not just my words, but God, my words will be effective because of your power of your Holy Spirit. I also pray that the Holy Spirit rests on each and every one of us, even the, our online audience, that today, Lord God, your word will penetrate and be life-changing to each and every one of us. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing I want to talk about is the historical proof of Jesus. For those who might believe that Jesus is nothing more than a folklore or a legend, I would argue that there is just way too much evidence, historical evidence, that states otherwise. Historical evidence that's even outside of the Bible. There's actually mentions of Jesus throughout other historical documents that we have to take into account. For example, there's a Jewish historian, Flavius Josephus, who authored a history of Judaism around AD 93. And he references Jesus in his writings. He said, basically he says he's, he's the brother of James, the so-called Christ. And that's not necessarily a follower of Jesus, but just the so-called Christ. And, and there are other, also two different writings that we have in the early 2nd century, which means that these writings were within 40, 50, 60 years of the time of Christ. And, and these writings were done by two Roman politicians named Pliny and Tacitus. And, and neither of these politicians were favorable towards Christians. But they both give references to Jesus. Tacitus refers to Jesus' execution by Pontius Pilate. So he actually informs, he actually realizes that Jesus is executed in Rome or uh, by Pontius Pilate. Pliny, who was the governor of the northern Turkey, refers to Christians as people who worshipped Christ as a god. Viewing Christians as pig-headed, he viewed Christians as pig-headed and stubborn, so he wasn't really fond of Christians, but he recognized that Jesus was a real person. It's also important to know that other historical writings don't debate the existence of Christ. They just don't debate it. Some of the earliest literatures by Jewish rabbis, catch this, they denounced Jesus as the illegitimate child of Mary. Do you know, you don't need to denounce something that's not real. You only denounce something if that's a real person. And the writings of the Bible itself give strong evidence of Jesus' existence. You see, folklore and legend, if you've ever done any study on that, many times the writings of these folklore and legends can be hundreds if not thousands of years later after the fact. The writings that we have of the gospel, I mean, I think they start as early as 45 A.D. or 50 A.D. They're right there at the time of Christ, 20, 30 years at the most, removed. And most of them are written in that first century A.D. It's important that we recognize that we have actual literature, the word of God. These are people who had firsthand account of Jesus. Matthew, one of Jesus' Disciples, apostles wrote Matthew. John, the one, the, the beloved one, he gives us his encounters with Jesus. The Gospel of Mark is really probably an account of Peter's life where we have the account of what happened with Jesus. Peter has his writings also of First and Second Peter. There's so much that is given to us that I think it's hard for us to think that Jesus never 
existed. And I, I, I share this information because it's hard to follow someone who never existed. That would be wrong of me to say, hey, follow this person, yet we don't even know that he existed. It's important that we know there's substantial evidence supporting Jesus' existence, that Jesus is more than just a figment of someone's imagination. There are many within our secular society today, there's a lot within our secular society today that would love to denounce the existence of Jesus. To put it in modern language, they would love to cancel Jesus. There is. Why would, why would they want to cancel Jesus, you might ask? Because they don't approve of his teachings. They disapprove of his ways. They don't, they don't approve of his standards. So let's just cancel Jesus. We cancel everything else. Why not Jesus? But I'm here to declare to you today that over the last 2,000 years, this is not the first culture, this is not the first society that's tried to cancel Jesus. And time and time and time again, Jesus stands strong because that has no avail. Trying to cancel Jesus will, will never take place. Why is that, Pastor Tom? Well, let me give you a real good reason. It's hard to cancel someone who's changing your life. When people's lives are being changed, they try all, they tried it all the way back in the New Testament days, right after the crucifixion of Christ, they were trying to cancel Jesus to no avail because guess what? Jesus changed people's lives. The Bible states that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He is the same 2000, from 2,000 years ago that he is today. He's the same from the very beginning of what we know of time. And he's the same for the all, of, all of eternity. He does not change. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, he says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. It's important to, recon it's important to recognize that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead on that third day, after his crucifixion, that the, tomb, the, the stone from the tomb rolled away, that the power that raised him from the dead is the same power that's living with inside of you if you're a follower of Christ. Do you realize that? Sometimes I think about that. I don't know if you ever ponder thoughts, but I ponder that thought. And I'm thinking, I can't even get my head grasped. My, my hand's wrapped around my My head can't grasp that thought. That's the same power. It's the power of his Holy Spirit. God's power is one that will change your life. It will change it from hate to love, from fear to faith, from loneliness to fulfillment. The feelings of being irre irrelevant to knowing that you have a purpose. You can try to rewrite history. You can try to cancel Jesus, but you can't. It's hard to cancel someone who's had such an impact on the lives of so many over the last 2,000 years. Jesus is single, and I, I say this unabashedly, Jesus is the single most influential person that has ever been in the last 2,000 years, the sixth that we ever have known. He is the single most influential person. And anyone that tells you different, no way. There's no way. I would argue that all day long. One of the reasons I can argue that is, is the character of Jesus. I want to talk about his character. As you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and 
you discover the qualities with Jesus that they're truly extraordinary. They're amazing. Attributes that are worthy for you to build your life upon. If you're going to build your dream house, would you build your dream house on a foundation that was kind of, you know, all the foundation was broken apart, it was kind of flimsy, it was soft. It was, you wouldn't build your house, your dream house on a foundation that wasn't pure. Because guess what, in a week or, or in a year or in two years, all of a sudden that house is going to start to crumble. You're going to build your dream house upon a foundation that is pure and true, amen? That is strong. That is the life of Jesus. I want to quote someone that I just felt I was reading, I'm reading this book and it is so, so good. It, it's written by Timothy Keller, Making Sense of God. And, and he writes this, and I don't quote usually a lot besides God's word. I just, but this was so good, I kind of felt like it would be helpful. And you just got to follow along with me. Speaking of Jesus, he writes, In him we see qualities and virtues we would ordinarily consider in, in, incompatible in the same person. We would never think that, think they could be combined But because they are, they are strikingly beautiful. We are surprised to see tenderness without any weakness. Boldness without harshness. Humility without any uncertainty. Indeed, accompanied by a towering amount of confidence. Readers can discover for themselves his unbending convictions. But completely approachable. His insistence on truth, but always bathed in love. His power without insensitivity. Integrity without rigidity. Passion without prejudice. That's our Jesus. He has the ability to to mirror these things together and bring the truth in such a way of, of loving people that people's hearts just started to melt, except for those who were religious. Hearts of stone. But for those whose hearts were open, guess what? He could speak the truth and love in such a wonderful way that you wanted to follow Jesus. And many in that first century, thousands, thousands started following Jesus because of who he was, who he is. We must appreciate the ability for Jesus to speak the truth plainly and boldly boldly and yet unconditionally. Jesus loves people. Jesus loved God. Those are the two commands he left this earth with and shared with us. You know what? I need you to love God first and then love others. When we read the stories of Jesus, they inspire us. His love for the woman at the well, who she was completely broken and lost, been married multiple times, and she was living with a man she wasn't married with. And Jesus actually, he took a detour just to come see this woman who was lost and broken. And see, Jesus will take a detour to see you because it's the goodness of God that will draw you back to repentance. His love for a small man named Zacchaeus, who built his life upon possessions. And when he encountered Jesus, everything changed. His whole perspective of life changed. His love for a woman named Mary Magdalene, who lost her identity and was trying to discover her identity and was really basically entrapped in prostitution, yet Jesus didn't shy away from her. He loved her and brought her into the followers of Christ, brought her into the kingdom of God. One of the greatest stories in the Gospels is his love for the lepers. 
the outcast of society, those that no one would want to touch. It was a disease back in those days that hey, they, it was incurable and it was spreading. We have nothing to do. Even families would have to stay away from their loved ones. And yet Jesus would walk up. He would touch the leper. He would heal them. He would give them hope. He was turning the world upside down with unconditional godly love. It was a character that had never been seen before. It was a quality in his life that everybody wanted to know. Instead of being fearful of being tainted by others, catch this. Instead of being fearful of others, he was filled with faith and inspired others with hope. His love and truth became the catalyst for change. It's the reason why we should build our lives upon Jesus. Let me share another reason why we should follow Jesus. His claim of divinity. Divinity is a fancy word to basically claim that he is God. One of the reasons that Jesus was hated by so many of the religious people of the day was these claims, that he would make claims of divinity, that he was God, and they, they called him. There was multiple times throughout Scripture, you can read them for yourselves throughout the Gospel, where, where Jesus is, is called out by the religious leaders as, as blasphemous. That's why they tried to stone him multiple times. The Bible, th this is a cool thing. The Bible doesn't even try to hide these stories. They don't try. If, if you were writing God's word, you'd be like, oh boy, we don't want to put that in God's word. That's going to, we're going to hide that thing away. No, they're bold with those stories. They share about the stories, the times when Jesus is challenged, the times when people want to stone Jesus. The stories are bold and they offended many of the religious, religious leaders of the day. Listen to, listen to some of the claims. These are not all the claims. Just listen to some of the claims that Jesus made. John 10, 30. The Father and I are one. Basically, I'm God. John 8, 58. I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. You want to talk about Jesus getting himself in trouble when he made that statement? Oh, my goodness. Everybody came unglued. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. He's claiming that he has power over death. Also, Jesus, I don't know if you remember the story when he's walking with his disciples and he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus responded to Peter. He said, oh, Peter, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. Did you notice that once, it, once Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, Anybody else would have rebuked Peter. Anybody else would say, that's a blasphemous statement. Not Jesus. He said, ah, Peter, you are a blessed man. Because you know what? That didn't come from human thinking. You understood it came from the power of God in your life. Jesus never denied his divinity as the son of God. Instead, Jesus made bold claims about his divinity that he has the power to forgive sins. He alone has the power to give eternal life. He has the power to raise people from the dead. He has the power to destroy death. He has, the, he has even the right to be worshipped. You see, I'm going somewhere. So I, want you, I need you to follow along with me. How many are following with me right now? Okay, stay with me. Don't get lost. Don't look... There's no scores on, Super Bowl starts at what, 3.30, so just relax. 
In fact, our service is extended to 3.30 today because the Super Bowl didn't happen. It's all good. Lock the doors, ushers, okay. Keep the TVs on, okay. Some people will only accept Jesus as a great teacher or maybe as a great prophet. But if you actually think of the claims that Jesus made about himself, a rational mind cannot think of Jesus as a great teacher or even as a great prophet. You can't do that. You just can't. Jesus must either be viewed as the Messiah, the son of the living God, or he must be viewed as a liar and a fraud. There is no in between. He can't just be a great teacher, not with the claims that he made in the Gospels. He can't be. He's a lunatic if he is, if he's really, truly not, this isn't the son of God. There is no in-between ground available. Jesus' claims were too bold, they were too brash to be accepted only as a good teacher. Think about this thought. Buddha never claimed to be God. He was a religious leader and he was a, a teacher. Muhammad never claimed to be God. He was a prophet and he was the founder of Islam. Confucius never claimed to be God. He was a Chinese philosopher and a poet. None of them. Now, do they have a lot of followers? Yes, they do. But none of these guys ever claimed to be God. And by the way, they're all dead. Just FYI. But many people follow their teachings. Fine. I was going to say great, but it's not, but fine. But Jesus proclaims to be the Son of God, the Savior of the world, who is sitting at the right hand of the Father. That is bold. That is audacious. Think of the words that Jesus spoke to the religious leaders, speaking of himself. He says in John 2, 19, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. He's speaking of himself. Crucify me. Put me on the cross. Put the thorn, the thorn the, on my head. Spear me. Do all those things. But in three days, guess what? I will be raised up. See, his claim is that no one had the power to destroy his life. And he, he alone had the power to raise his life again. These are audacious claims. Throughout the centuries, many have claimed to be God. There's lots of people who have claimed to be God before. Tell me one. You don't remember them. The only ones that you remember are the ones that did horrific and terrible crimes. Where they all of a sudden took a group of people and they all drank some Kool-Aid. Those are the ones you remember. But you don't remember anyone who actually claimed that they're God. They just kind of fall away in history. And yet Jesus remains. He claimed that he was God the son of God, and he remains to this day. In fact, it's something amazing. Christianity in general is growing like crazy. 50,000 new people come to Christ every single day. Grab a hold of that thought. 50,000, a stadium filled, every day in the world comes to Christ. Christianity is the most widespread Religion or belief around the world. There's other religions that, have are, that are like pockets here, pockets here, pockets here. Christianity is worldwide. 
and it's spreading. Do you know that they say that in Iran, there's almost one million Christian believers? Think about that thought. I mean, that's crazy. Because, man, you go into the, the Middle East and certain parts of the Middle East and you confess that you're a believer of Christ, you're, you're in trouble. They're in persecution. And it's continued evidence that the power of Jesus can change a culture and it can change a world. I affirm to you that Jesus is no deranged person. Jesus is who he claims to be. The Son of God, the Savior of the world. I want to look at a fourth reason why we should follow Jesus. Are you guys enjoying this? Are you, okay. Because I can quit at any point. Okay. Fourth reason, power of his resurrection. Now maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know, Tom, this is such crazy talk. I know that they say Jesus was resurrected, but he was dead for three days. Come on, let's be honest. No, you can't raise a, that's probably a folklore. That's probably some kind of a legend. It's probably, there's probably not truth to that. Come on, Pastor Tom, that didn't really happen. And I want to make an argument with you today for just a moment, if you can follow along with me. Many people have such a strong bias against the supernatural that they cannot allow their minds to follow such ideas. For them, all it seems like it's crazy, and that's where they get stuck on. Yet if you can set aside your biases and listen to what the Bible presents, it really gives stunning facts for the case of his resurrection. And I really think it's thoughts that we should ponder. The first thought is that the idea of an empty tomb, oh, that's not a big idea, Pastor Tom. They just stole the body. They took the body away. But the claims that Jesus made became true on that third day. Think about this thought. If Jesus' body was really stolen, don't you think someone would have discovered the body of Jesus? Don't you think that the religious leaders of the day who hated Jesus would have interrogated every single person that they came in contact and point to them that, you know what, I need you to confess that, you know what, that the body wasn't resurrected, but that someone took the body. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. come on, bring me the evidence. They would, they would have been interviewing everybody. For 30 pieces of silver, Judas betrayed Jesus. It wouldn't have taken that much. If, if his body was truly not resurrected, someone would have cracked. Someone, oh, what are you going to offer me? Yeah, I can tell you the secret, but no one did. Or how about the Roman government? There is no way that they would have wanted the embarrassment of losing a body. Especially someone who was so controversial during that time. They would have launched a full-blown investigation. Not the type of investigations that we do today. I mean, this is life and death. There is a punishment after they've discovered things. Yet no evidence is ever given other than his resurrection. Think of the witnesses. People who witnessed the empty tomb, who witnessed seeing Jesus after his death, they were hundreds of people. Hundreds of people. Were they all delusional? Paul, and this is interesting, Paul references these people who had seen Jesus after his resurrection. He references about them in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Wouldn't Paul have been immediately seen as a liar if his statement had not been true? Wouldn't have his writings been like discarded if his statement had not been true? You see, there were many people who believed in his resurrections, resurrection, Jews and Gentiles alike. Also, think about the results 
of his resurrection. This is probably, for me, this is probably the strongest evidence for me personally of his resurrection. The idea that there was a group of apostles who were willing to die for their beliefs in Jesus Christ. They didn't die during a battle. If any, guys, any of you guys have ever had this desire, man, I'm going to go in battle. I'm going to be a hero. You know, you're playing the video games. I'm, you know, you battle, you win this battle. They didn't die that way. They were premeditatedly murdered. Is that such a word, premeditatedly? <laughs> they were murdered. They were beheaded. They were crucified. They were burned. They were, they, were, they were killed in such ways that no person would ever want to have that done. And yet, they were unwilling to denounce their belief in Jesus Christ. From the first century to the fourth century, many Christians were persecuted and killed by the Roman Empire because of their faith. They were considered disposable to the Roman Empire. In fact, it is claimed that Nero actually burned Christians as nightlights in his garden. Think about that one. They were disposable people. The thought of the people giving up their lives before denouncing their faith in Jesus is truly extraordinary. That thought that they were willing to give up their life before they ever denounced their faith. And I hope that we all here will be able to do the same thing. But the thought that someone would give up their lives for what they knew to be a hoax is just not plausible. It, it, it's just, you, it can't be. No, no one's going to give their life up in such a way for a hoax. It's just not going to happen. And then consider this fact. That there are people today who are still dying for their faith in Jesus Christ. And it just gives more and more support for the resurrection of Jesus that it is true. As his power continues to impact people's lives each and every day. The last thought I want to share with you today regarding why you should follow Jesus. This is probably one that you've experienced yourself. And that is freedom is found in Jesus. Let me share a passage of scripture that's found in chapter 4 of, of the Gospel of Luke. It's a wonderful account of Jesus on the Sabbath entering into a synagogue in Nazareth, which is his hometown. This is the place that he'd been raised as a child. And he enters into the synagogue of Nazareth. And, and when he stood up to read the scripture, something like maybe what we're experiencing here today, I'm not sure how the synagogue was setting up, but all of a sudden he'd walk up and then a scribe would come over and he would hand him a, a, a scroll and Jesus would take that scroll and he was handed the scroll of Isaiah and he started to unroll that scroll and then he picked out one verse or two verses here and he read these verses. It's kind of a drop the mic moment. And Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. That's prophecy in Isaiah speaking about the coming Messiah, the Savior of the world. And Jesus just proclaims it to himself. He drops the mic. There was no mic in those days, but let's just imagine. He drops the mic. He goes and sits down in the front. And then he just begins to talk to the people that are in the synagogue. And he says, the scripture in Luke 4.21 that you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. I believe the reason so many people have chosen to follow Jesus is because so many people have found true freedom 
in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can't deny that. A freedom that sets you free from ignorance. A freedom that sets you free from the bondage of sin. If you've ever been bonded to sin where you just, where you just struggle with it so deeply and you can't get away from it. And then all of a sudden you fall in love with Jesus. And all of a sudden you just watch, start watching the sin start fall off your life. And you just keep following Jesus. And pretty soon you don't, sin is more and more unrecognizable in your life. But Jesus, boy, he, you can see him clearly. It's life-changing. Apostle Paul states it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. He says, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. Say that with me. Read that scripture with me today. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do you understand what that is saying for each and every one of us here today? That when we come to Christ, that guess what? The Holy Spirit secures our salvation. You can even go further than that. You can say, Lord, give me the power of your spirit. Give me the gifts of your spirit. I want all that you have for me, Lord. And then, boy, all of a sudden, when that, that spirit of God comes upon our lives, all of a sudden we find freedom that we've never found before. Paul himself found freedom. He found freedom from hate. He found freedom from a life of bondage, which sounds kind of funny. How could Paul find, a, find freedom from a life of bondage? Didn't he spend most of his life in prison? <laughs> yeah, he did. His body might have been in bondage, but his spirit was free. You see, there's some that maybe their, their body is free, but their spirit is in bondage. And I bet you for some, they'd say, I trade it right now because, man, I can't even figure out a way out to my life. The Apostle Paul, the persecutor of Christians, the one who hated Jesus, the one who was heading down a road of damnation, all of a sudden he makes a decision because all of a sudden there's a bright light, and I would call it, it was the goodness of God coming down from heaven and interrupting his day and saying, Paul, why do you persecute me? Or he actually said, Saul, why do you persecute me? And at that moment, Saul's life changed because of the goodness of God. Paul went from bondage to freedom. Paul found freedom from himself. Kind of like the woman at the well. When Jesus encountered the woman at the well, what she really needed freedom from, we think of it in, in the form of sin, but what she really needed freedom from was she needed freedom from self. Some of you here today might need freedom from self. For all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And then we start beating up ourselves. We start thinking, I'm no good. I'm worthless. Why, am I, why was I even born? I had one person one time tell me, why does God even give me the ability to have breathe oxygen on this earth? He was actually a Christian ready to meet Jesus. He's ready to go. But I think about that thought. So many of us beat ourselves up, beat ourselves up, beat ourselves up. And God, by His goodness, wants to set you free, set you free, set you free. And all you have to do is make a choice, make a choice. I'm going to get say no to sin. And I'm going to choose to follow after Christ. Jesus, come into my life. I choose to follow you this day. For me and my house, guess what? We're going to serve the Lord. And we don't look back. We say no to sin. 
Not that we don't trip up once in a while, but we just go, ah, I'm done with that. And we start following after Christ. And Christ gives you a freedom that you've never experienced before in your life. He sets you free. That's the message today. Why should I follow Jesus? Oh, because Jesus will change your life. The change that you've been looking for for so many years. Ooh, and I know many of you have experienced right here in this place. But for some, maybe you have never experienced. For some watching online, you're saying, yeah, Pastor Tom, I have never experienced. I believe in God, but I never understood who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God. He's your Savior. He's your Messiah. He's the one that set you free from your sins. He died on the cross for your sins. He has set you free. All you have to do is have the faith to believe in Him. Step out in faith. Put your trust in Him. Watch what will happen. Lord, we thank you for your word today. You are true. You are perfect. You are the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through you. Lord, I pray today for each person here. For those who maybe are watching online. That, Lord, our hearts and our lives will be touched by the power of your Spirit. That, Lord, that what we do today is not just a speech. It's not just something that we gather together like a Super Bowl. No. This ain't no Super Bowl. This is life changing. This is decisions that people can make that can alter their life forever. God, I pray today, right now as I'm praying, that the power of your Spirit just starts to touch hearts and lives of people. The power of your spirit starts to touch the hearts and lives of people watching online. Those who have been struggling with self, those who, Lord God, have that they've just entered into a hopelessness. They they just don't see good. They just don't see your faithfulness. God, I pray, God, take off the veil of off their eyes, Lord God. Let them see your goodness today. For anyone here today, heads bowed, eyes closed. I just feel so strong that I should do this. And I just gotta be obedient to Christ. If you're here today and you just said, Pastor Tom, I've never made that decision to follow Jesus. And maybe you're online here today. And I just say, be bold, even at home. Be bold in this worship center today. If you know that your heart's not right with Christ, raise your hand real high and say, Pastor Tom, I want to make a commitment to Jesus Christ today. If that's you here today, say, yes, it's me. If you're here online, yes, it's me. never regret that decision I do this often I want to do it again today I want to say this prayer and if you are making a decision for the very first time I ask that you say this prayer in your heart and your life it's really a prayer of commitment to follow Jesus and I'd like for everybody to say it with us today for Lord Jesus today I choose to follow you set me free from myself set me free from sin give me the power of your grace I pray that your Holy Spirit leads me into all truth in Jesus name and everyone said thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast we appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. 
Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.